Okay, I have, I have a like mind blow. I'm late to the game. Hashtag not sponsored. Topic to talk Spit about. Spit it out. Let's go. Amazon reward points on your credit card. Okay. Like if you have the if you have the Chase Amazon rewards card. If you have if you are financially responsible enough to like live off of your credit card and pay it off every month, right? The points add up so fast. Oh, okay. It is insane. I I have earned like well, part of it is because I bought Alana a new laptop and she is an Apple ho right so it's a little pricey but i got a bonus and so i paid for that but doesn't matter i've been on this chase card or amazon card for a few months like this year i want to say i switched over like in december or january or something i've earned 150 dollars in amazon credit wow to just spend on whatever and like since I don't have a like comic guy, I've been getting all my comics off of Amazon. Right. And so like I have a, you know, guaranteed expense with Amazon <laughs> and stuff, but like <laughs> it's a nice way to think about, you know, one of your favorite <laughs> hobbies. And so like anything you buy on Amazon on the card is like 5% cash back, but then like everything outside, like gas is like 2% and then like everything else is like 1%. Okay. So like, it's not much, but if it's your entire life, like right. everything that you spend is on your card and then you pay it off and that's when you get your points. It adds up. Anyway, point is I've bought five kits for my stream for free just by living. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Cause I just, I bought, I bought two more last night and it's just like, it's weird. Like, you know, free money but yeah you know you just it, it's it's reward it's <laughs> i understand the thought process behind like oh give them points which will be free money which is money that we already earned off of them anyway but like <laughs> like the thought process behind uh uh what are they called like loyalty programs credit card and companies stuff. and stuff yeah. yeah but like i've believed since i was young that everyone should have a loyalty program. <laughs> like if it can work, if you can, if your profits are at a point where you can give 1% of what you earn away, then put that into a loyalty program. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's actually what it is though, or how it works. Like they're making money on their loyalty programs by, you know, you take like a slightly worse deal here or there because you get your your points on it. You stop thinking about where you're going to shop or shop around. And so you just, you know. But if everyone had a loyalty program, it then you, you go back into that conversation of where am I going to shop and shop around. Right. But then it accumulates so slowly that it doesn't really matter. I mean, I don't know. like, do you, do you think an ice cream shop shouldn't have buy 10 cones, get one free? No, no, no. It's, it's fine. It's good. It's a good thing. Why not? I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I'm just coming at this from this. I, <laughs> we are trying <laughs> and failing to 
stop our Prime, our Amazon Prime account. (laughs) Yeah, no, Amazon has Amazon has succeeded in such an insane, like ingrained into the back of everyone's mind and buying process in ways that I don't know if any other company has or will. I've 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 moved on from just the Amazon card because mm-hmm. they have a partnership with with Chase and so like they're going to make money off sure. of using my card. I get right. that. I understand how interchange uh, interchange fees work, but now just in general loyalty programs, whether it's points or buy X get X or Y, I guess, and just in general, I think those are amazing like that's what like free haircuts or mm-hmm. for, for like a barbershop should have one um um like pizza parlors should have them ice cream shops should have them i feel like everyone should have them because those are what start to generate your loyal customers it's sure. one of the things that can start to generate your loyal customers or like having a having a discount at as a poll customer at a comic book shop yeah that's true it is nice it doesn't really move the needle for me either way. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> what? So what? What helps you make your decision for where you spend your money? Let's see. Crawling under my desk, plugging my ears with my fingers, shutting my eyes, and going la 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 la. None of this is real. That that usually does the trick. That fills the stomach for sure. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, my, my, my default answer is don't spend your money. Yeah. And so I just like, you know, pretty close to a down payment on a house now. That's pretty exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really cool. Retirements, you know, accounts looking good. Like I don't like spending money. I also don't like stuff largely. (laughs) So it works out. (laughs) I'll go out for like, you know, like have a nice dinner, me and Rachel, you know, every once in a while or like I, I, in order to get myself to start flossing, I made a spreadsheet and every day I floss, I, I get $2 to spend on magic cards, you know? So that's, that's kind of my system. It's, it's like, yeah, I just, I just, I, I don't want to ever think about money. I want to be so just like frugal by default that if an expense comes up, I can just be like, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? I've, I had that exact same conversation with my wife of how nice that must be. (laughs) Uh huh. But, but from a like income perspective and not from a uh, frugal (laughs) perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of an, and so actually we're coming at this from the other side where Rachel's gotten me really into this budgeting software called mm-hmm. also hashtag not sponsored. Uh, it's called YNAB or you need a budget and you have to, <laughs> you go through, you know, you like connect it to your bank accounts and you put like targets for how much you want to spend on different things in a month. And it helps a lot of people just like get their spending under control. Cause once they start, you know, planning out what they're going to spend in advance, they, they spend a lot less. 
And they're right. like, oh, I finally got out of debt or, oh, I did all these, you know, like finally started saving for, for me, it's like, oh, I, I can actually like put a limit to how much I save and then <laughs> make targets for how much I spend. Oh, interesting. Okay. You know, it's like, why don't I enjoy some of this money that I make a little bit? Not that it's a ton, but you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm putting. I feel like I just blew your mind. Well, no, it's, it's, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like Mm -hmm. I'm putting like, I think I'm at like 11 or 11 ish percent of my income towards my 401k. Mm Mm-hmm. With my employer match of like five, so it's like 16% of my annual or whatever. And then on top of that, I'm also putting like a few hundred away into like savings. And like it 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 bites into like your usable income faster than I like sometimes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. But no, I I I get that. It's it's it is kind of funny because you're going at it from the from like the exact opposite because I, I remember <laughs> you talking about like when you were paying off your student loans mm-hmm. like you were living off of like five cents a day but <laughs> yeah. then you paid off but you paid off your student loans in like two years yeah just mind-blowing yeah <laughs> <laughs> i i graduated with about thirty thousand dollars in debt i got a job making 35k my loans were paid off in two years wild that's very last, impressive for the last like six months of that i was unemployed it's very impressive <laughs> it's just that's so crazy it took me oh god I, I i don't know how much i don't remember how big my student loan debt was when i stopped going it was just, just like it it was a trip cause, like my thought process is like i have negative money like I am not allowed to spend money until I don't have debt. So I'm just going <laughs> to. <laughs> that, that is, that is very impressive. And I, I that's where did you l- learn that perspective? I mean, just growing up without money, it was, it was very easy to just, you know, it's like, I don't know how much of this you sort of like, understood or took in from like the way me and my mom lived while I was growing up. But like, we never, ever went out to eat like ever. Mm -hmm. We, we would just, you know, save just things for reuse, just obsessively like twist ties for your like produce bags at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Once those were done, put them in a drawer for reuse, you know, Mm -hmm. Ziploc bags that I take my lunch sandwich to, you know, uh, school lunch. Better bring that shit home and wash <laughs> wash it out and reuse it, or else I'm gonna get an earful from my mom. Like, wow, yeah, interesting. Yeah, just very, very, very frugal living in general, and you know, we're kind of getting by in Santa Barbara on a single income from somebody who's just you know well she graduated As employee at, at a university and just starting Not her career when i was young i mean she she graduated college while i w- when i was uh 6 years old 7 wow. 
six, something, yeah, something like that. So, yeah, we <laughs> we did not have money, and yeah. it, it was uh, she was working three jobs, or we were on welfare for like those early years and stuff. So it was um, there was a lot of habits learned pretty pretty early, pretty very early, pretty yeah. Deep. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, I never. I feel like I was only around your mom giving like money related or like money connected conversations maybe twice that come to uh-huh. mind. Yeah. I feel like from from my perspective as like a weekly guest, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like she kind of kept that away from me slash guests. Yeah, I can see that. At least did a pretty good job from, in retrospect, she did a really good job of like, that's just not seen, that wasn't seen by me. One of the times that comes to mind is when when we left out the milk overnight one time. Uh That was pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, like I I knew on paper, it's like, Single income family, single mom. Yeah. Statistically, that's going to be tough anyway. But I never really saw any like signs of struggle, I guess, Mm -hmm. from, from my, from like my Saturday night perspective. The, the, the toughest years were also, you know, when we were quite young. Yeah. And so that was like, like, you know, it, it was never like a lot of people say comfortable to mean like, actually comfortable <laughs> in terms of money we were like you know no longer food insecure by the time i was like mm. you know seven or eight or something like that like i remember uh, when okay my mom got you know like a credit card or like got a new job got a credit card got and then like came home with a, a microwave and a, te- a new television and I was like, holy shit, something's <laughs> different. <laughs> and uh, of course, I had to be a smart ass about it. And my mom is a famously terrible cook. And <laughs> uh-huh. so I looked at the yeah. microwave and I said, wow, mom. Hot food. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's wild. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. yeah. Amazon Awards points. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Free stuff. I should. Yeah. Well, like, free stuff from the, like, expenses that I'm already acc- accruing is nice. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Thank you for uh, sharing that on for sure. the recording that's going to go on the internet for uh, in perpetuity. Until that's fine. I'm, I'm proud of my story, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What are we doing here? What is this? Damn it, I thought I was going to beat you to the punch this time. This is a podcast called Hype is My Superpower, and uh, in it we talk about things we're hyped on, namely comic books, and right now in particular, 
Krakoa-era X-Men comic books because we have a lot to catch up to before we're safe to read AVX, Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. So, A-A-X-E. AVX was, AVX was 10, 10 years ago, yeah. <laughs> we have officially caught up to last year's uh, crossover event, so that's fun. Yeah. We got there. We got to Devil's Reign. <laughs> we got to Devil's Reign. We've got to, got to tie in on that. Which you we read, have Captain Krakoa. <laughs> right. And you read all this when you read Devil's Reign. Yes. Or you read the, the tie-in. So I read these three issues, yeah. And you talked about it on the pod, so. I did talk about it on the pod. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because you, you like went, you, you like, went spoiler averse for me. So I I did my best yeah. to like because I did not talk about Captain Krakoa, which right. was so weird to me. Right. But the, <laughs> the main main theme being just Emma Frost and her connection to Kingpin. Yeah, that was what kind of what kind of takeaways can I talk about that? And there's like scenes like Harry Leland being at the oh, yeah. UN, and I was like, all right. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Do you even know who Harry Leland was? I didn't recognize him. Well, yeah. no, I, that's a lie. I did recognize him because he wears the exact same green three-piece suit so that true. he's worn since the nineties. <laughs> since the since the seventh <laughs> since he died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He died in the I want to say early eighties. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, so because my frame of reference for Harry Leland is X-Men the animated series. Right. <laughs> And by the way, died fighting Nimrod. Ah. So we've got some uh, some some Krakoa. Oh, hence why Emma was like, and Nimrod is activated or whatever. Yep. Yeah, that's it. That and it was matters. the Nimrod okay. from the future that got him, and now it's present day Nimrod is online. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. I I just. I, it just made sense to me that Krakoa had a UN representative and the fact that uh-huh. it's Harry Leland, I was like, all right, cool. Moving on. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we have trials 11 and 12. Yes. Trials which is the 11. end of trials. Yes. We got there. We got there. Took a minute, but mm-hmm. we got there. And uh, so trials 11 has X-Men number seven, the secret X-Men number one, uh, Sabretooth number one, and then Devil's Reign X-Men one and two, which bleeds into 12, which is Devil's Reign X-Men number three, X-Men number eight, Sabretooth two and three, and Marauder's annual number one, which acts as the like prequel to season two of Marauders. (laughs) What was your overall take? How'd you feel about this week's reading? Shocked. Hmm. I so this is, this is kind of giving a, a little pre hype, but like I I I I wanted to message you, yeah. literally like on Wednesday, but um, I was like I'll just save it for the pod. But like, how dare the writers of these X Men comics get me this hype over Sabretooth? <laughs> I was gonna say. Every, most everything else felt fell kind of flat for me this week. Yeah, this these first three issues of a new Sabretooth series was absolutely uh-huh. the exception. Uh-huh. What? It's I. There's there's something. So one of the things that makes me so excited when I read like a Nick Spencer run on Spider Man or a, any John Hickman book or a couple of others, but like they take a character's full history into account. Right. And play off of 
realistic or like Brubaker's run on Captain America. Like realistically, this person went through X, Y, Z. They're probably going to be at this point. Yep. Like yeah. Sabretooth was <laughs> on fucking team, X. team with Team X. <laughs> yeah. I really didn't want to call it Team X. I thought nope, they had a just, cooler just, name. Just, <laughs> just throw an X on it. <laughs> they were, he was on a Black Ops team yeah. for a Black Ops d- government department branch. Like yep. he's gonna, he's, he's big. Yeah. And he's f- feral sometimes, but like, He's got a lot of history. Oh yeah, and they and he they knows what he's doing. Like play he's, off of he's, that. he's not. He's he's out of. He can't control himself, but he's not out of control. He's got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's he's got homicidal urges that he alternately willingly and goes refuses <laughs> to you know do anything about. But he also just you know he's he's just really he's not an animal. He's not totally out of control. Yeah. So I, I feel like we're going to spend most of our time on Sabretooth. So I'll talk about it real quick. Sure. <laughs> There's two things about Sabretooth that have happened before Krakoa era that, that I think about relatively often. <laughs> Both stem from the Axis crossover event. Okay. So he got his morality flipped. Right. In Axis. Axis. And... And it should be so said, a good guy. This is not the first time that they've toyed. That wasn't that wasn't the first time that they've toyed with Sabretooth potentially being a good guy. There mm-hmm. was, you know, he was brought into the X Mansion in the '90s and the early '90s uh, when, after Wolverine lost his adamantium, there was kind of like, oh, are we going to make Sabretooth the ne- the new Wolverine? Mm-hmm. You know, and he he basically became Charles's new project and like they treated him essentially like an addict. And then there was the whole like uh, age of apocalypse where he was a good guy. Right. And that kind of mm-hmm. got continued in exiles and all of that. So like there's a long history of, of kind of toying with this idea of Sabretooth as a good guy. Well, he had this very interesting relationship with boom, boom as kind of like she having been brought up by an abusive dad kind of like trying to make amends in her mind with this like terrifying man who is, I mean, he was basically like lobotomized by Wolverine Mm. and so powerless and at everyone's mercy and everyone treats him like shit because they can't un you know, untangle who he used to be. And, and she is trying to, anyway, it was a cool arc. And then he gets his faculties back and nearly kills Psylocke and Crimson Dawn, yada, yada, yada. But mm-hmm. this is the most nuance they've probably treated Sabretooth with, you mm-hmm. know, because it's more, it's more particular to him and his character than just like, can he be saved? Is he, a, can he be a good guy? You know, yeah, can he be yeah. relieved from these psychotic and and sociopathic urges and and actually like put his very clear skills and intelligence to to use for something productive, or or is or you know not just being the sort of like cautionary tale for Wolverine of like oh this is you right. if you can't get your shit this is together. what you could be mm-hmm. right this is your brain on drugs <laughs> yeah. 
So like in Axis, when he got flipped, Ghost Rider hit him with a penance stare. Okay. And he was like, he he kind of shrugged it off. Mm. And he was like, You're I don't regret any of the people I killed. <laughs> so uh-huh. let's keep this going. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so And that's like, even after he's been flipped. Yeah. He's he just owned it. Yeah. And like that little like just that one scene just made me be like, damn, all right, Saber Tooth. Uh-huh. And then how he got flipped back because he wasn't present for when they undid the oh, um, interesting the thing. He <laughs> he went to hell with a clean soul to go and save his son, Graydon. Okay. Oh no. From hell. Maybe let that one go. sure yeah no i i haven't thought about him since this conversation yeah but but he went to hell to save graden's soul yikes and mephisto was like i can't take your soul because you're clean like this Uh is really frustrating (laughs) (laughs) so to pay for it sabertooth victor sabertooth gives up his goodness like just the the goodness in the soul a lose-lose all around Right. And so he came back as just like a relatively soulless, just beast of a man. Okay. And like, that was, that was like the cliffhanger, but yeah. that was also kind of just like the stretches that they went to, to get him to be evil again. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like, it was just, it was a, it was a cool, really short plot line. Yeah. Conceptually big picture. It's just meh, but yeah. it was, just, it was fun to, to watch him struggle with like i have all these memories of when i was a bad guy i'm currently a good guy i need i i have this guilt for the wrongs i've done not for the people i've killed yeah (laughs) so so he wanted to he was like the only thing i care about right now is saving my son's soul and so that was that became like his plowing it was it was it was a fun read anyway those are the two things that stand out to me about Sabretooth and that was kind of the last time we've seen Sabretooth until House of X when they're just like hi Sabretooth he killed a man see you later bye (laughs) (laughs) years ago for us and now we get to see what he's doing and it answers our question he is still in the pit (laughs) yeah Uh, so what is he doing in the pit so this will be interesting, but we'll yeah. get there. Um, we'll get there because we have to do. We have to go through some other stuff first. Oh, God, so starting with yeah, starting with X Men number seven, and X Men number seven is basically this is the a little more of a a Scott spotlight issue. Yeah, they've, they've been kind of going around the team and and focusing on one or another member mm-hmm. a little more for recent issues. And this is kind of like backs us up, right? Because the last issue, uh, Crapton Krakow was in place <laughs> and doing stuff. And here we kind of learn what the hell any of that is, why Scott did this. Well, he died very publicly and heroically and in a fight against Dr. Stasis and the Chimeras. It's like an eighties band. Yeah. Right. And his nomination speech at the Hellfire Gala for joining the team yeah. was I, I am, am the X Men. Yeah, he's not wrong. Nope. <laughs> some some really great art of mm-hmm. 
Cyclops using his optic blast. I was going to say like Captain America's shield, but like for whatever reason, this works that he bounced it, <laughs> he ricocheted his shot off of one chimera into a traffic light, which acted as a prism and split his shot <laughs> into another like four shots, hit other people, bounce all over the place. It's like, it's a really cool art piece, but I, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, I get that it's a concussive blast and it can impact and bounce, but like, that's like almost never used. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's a little bit. I guess, I guess it should get used more though. It is kind of cool. What is a concussive blast? You know what? We're not even going to go into that. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I just, I just, yeah. I imagine like it's like a, it's a visible, focused, like blast of air. You're right. In my head. Yeah. But it doesn't fall apart when it hits a target. It sure. just keeps going. It's like yeah. it's it's like was it Snake.io that game <laughs> where you just keep on going, <laughs> eating oh. all the little things. It's kind of like that. Yes. <laughs> we do get some cool sync though. Everett sync man. Everett kind of shines here. They're really giving him some. Some just like continual short spotlights. Yes. He first he sinks with Jean while she's in space. Yeah. And they're like, um, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then is, yeah. we get a note from Cecilia Reyes about, you know, oh, his, you know, his after his resurrection, they're like, Yeah, it's his synchronization is up 13% or whatever, but like, what does that actually mean? Now we're kind of figuring it out. And she says, we def- uh, in this note, first of all, now he's one of the oldest X-Men. He's over 500 years old because he yeah, had five he centuries in the, the vault. And came out. And that's after being, you know, like a very junior, like a member of Generation <laughs> X and then dying. So he's he, he was like maybe 19 before this. And now he's... 519. <laughs> and the other thing is, uh, so, you know, he may have, he may be able to retain like a limited muscle memory of other powers is the theory going on here, which mm-hmm. is why it, it reminds me of mimic in a lot of ways, you know, right. Except mimic isn't a mutant, but he mimic. Yeah. So mimic could, Copy up to five um, mutant powers at a time, but with but at like two thirds strength or something, something like, like that, at, and he, at reduced strength. And he got <laughs> permanently imprinted with the original five X Men's powers as a full, as a result of further, you know, mutations and so mm-hmm. on. Basically, the X Men wanted to have a scroll, <laughs> <laughs> right? A super scroll, yeah. And then at the end of Dr. Reyes's note, she says, we define an Omega mutant as having no upper limits to their powers. And it may be that we are witnessing the emergence of a new Omega in sync. Right. So, I mean, it's, that's, I feel like that's not even a question at this point. Well, because well, <laughs> he's so, okay. Originally he was copying powers at like 90% effectiveness. Right. And we have learned that post post rebirth, people ha- he's been having an increase in those powers. Put him next to an Omega, and he is copying Omega powers 
at a higher level, he's he has Omega ness. <laughs> but we already have hope. Yeah. Who who is an Omega at basically this? At at lower versions of this because she has to be next to them still. <laughs> Which begs the question, how did she use Cerebro when Miss Mystique was pretending to be Xavier to upload Destiny? But there's whatever. a lot of questions. She she <laughs> may I feel like yeah. as much spotlight as Hope has had. She, they have not been able to define her powers. No, she she was, you know, post second coming and, and into generation or into AVX. She was very much spotlight. And since then, they're just like, all right, that's done. Later, mm-hmm. hope. Yeah. You, you, like, I get I, oh yeah, she's part of the five. So, like, she's not going to be out in like. Right. In doing what sync does. But right. like, you'd think. She would be, <laughs> or Proteus for that matter. <laughs> Just you know what they're they're finding ways to bench the like the warpers mm-hmm. and and like give them just a single tunnel vision purpose. Yeah, it's true. So okay, fine. <laughs> so then, what are they going to do with sync? <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, I'd be really interested to see. Is Sync recalling Gene's power or is he connecting across the stars to Gene? Like, does he have a mutant strand connected does it just to hold? everyone? Yeah. Yeah. Does he just keep that link, that bond? Yeah. That's like, hard is, to say. That, is that his mutant power? Is that he yeah. links? Right. I'm very, I'm very curious. And then we get, we learn about. The Earth Araco Relay or EAR. <laughs> just a rand another random note just thrown at the very end of the issue. This this is the yeah, this is the last page of this issue. The EAR, the ear, mm-hmm. feels more convoluted than it should be. Okay, so explain it to the people. What is the EAR? So the EAR is a, a satellite-based communication array set up between earth and Araco, which is Mars yeah. to let the mutants communicate at basically real time right. across planets, which yeah. is amazing. Yes. How like they already had gates, <laughs> right? I feel like you just play telephone through the gate, but right. that's neither here nor there. So right. what it is, is he is, he being forge has set up, a number of satellites between Earth and Araco that sends communication arrays. We'll get a little bit more into that in a second. Communication yeah. arrays to those satellites, which bounces from satellite, satellite to Araco. There was a problem with when the sun is in, is in between Earth and Araco, and so he has like a whole ring of satellites. Yes, telepathic satellites. The two or- orbits, and then on top of that, what is the need to know information is that he's worked, he worked in like Krakoan mutant telepathic DNA into like, it's, it, it almost, I feel like he put like a well, actual telepathic Xavier's brain. brain tissue. Yeah. He put his brain tissue into these satellites. And so there's actual 
Xavier brain. Yeah. Just. Cause that's never gone wrong before. Around earth. The red skull. It's <laughs> just what I was getting at. <laughs> removed. Okay. Comics, but like. <laughs> got Xavier's dead body, removed the psychic mutant part of his brain and put it into his own brain. And he became red onslaught basically, but yeah, like <laughs> terrible, terrible idea. But it's, it has been done before, and they just took the mutant part of Xavier's brain, copied it, and put it into every single one of these satellites. And you know that's going to get a... Con- if <laughs> if the danger room can generate a consciousness, <laughs> if no girl can yeah. run around with just a brain... Yeah. Sorry, Cerebella. Th- th- this is going to be a problem. Yes. I this agree. is absolutely going to be a problem. I so like I started reading this note and I was like, yeah, just put te- just put telecommunications in the gates. That totally makes sense. Right. And then he has this billion dollar elaborate <laughs> Kirkcohen tech using actual brain matter to psychically send messages that will be read by an Xavier brain. <laughs> Yeah, from one planet to another, and you're gonna and, and forge. You're gonna tell me that that's not gonna be a problem, right, sir? I don't. I don't understand. That that, that I will be very disappointed if this does not come back to bite him in the ass. Yeah, <laughs> and him, I mean Krakoa, right? <laughs> All of Krakoa. <laughs> yeah, I don't Just know. Ridiculous, ridiculous. That's such a that's so convoluted and unnecessary. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, move along to Secret X Men one shot. Yeah, let's move to Secret X Men one shot one issue. Like I feel like one shot means one issue. You 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 call miniseries one shots. Oh, because there's only because there's only one trade number. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess that makes sense from an individual <laughs> issue standpoint. This was such a nothing butter. Nothing cake. This this felt like something that Hickman wrote an outline for just because he wanted to write Bobby and Sam. And then he <laughs> left and then he left, you know, Marvel left the X-Men for a little bit. And they're like, well, we still have this outline. I, I think I think we uh we may as well make this, right? Teeny, mm. teeny, you go write it. <laughs> and I feel it, like Yeah. I feel like it couldn't be non-going because of the roster. Yeah. And so basically for people being like, what the hell are you talking about? So <laughs> Secret X-Men is a one-shot uh, single <laughs> issue <laughs> of Bobby uh, DaCosta putting together a team of an impulse team of X-Men who are all the people who shared a drink together at the Hellfire Gala who really wanted to be an X-Man and did not get voted in. Yeah. And so that team is Sunspot, Cannonball, Marrow, Boom Boom, Forge, Banshee, Armor, Strong Guy, and Tempo. Mm-hmm. Random ass team. Super random. Um, and I, I feel like with Tempo and Forge on the team, this couldn't be an ongoing series. Yeah, probably. Because Tempo got taken in by the Marauders. Yep. 
and Forge is it's regular Forge. cast member in, in X Force. Yeah, but like he's the only one that's building technology. Yeah, in all of Krakoa, you can't take him off for a mission. I do have to say, Banshee and Forge have made a very good team in the past. They were kind of like after the X Men faked their deaths or or actually died in Fall of the Mutants, and then the whole Australia arc happened. This was all in the eighties. Nobody mm. cares, but they. Just the two of them kind of were like, hey, let's uh, either find or restart the X-Men and also some weird shit's going on at Mirror Island. Spoiler alert, it was the Shadow King. But like, you know, we've got to we've got to take this on ourselves. And so they did a little buddy cop team up and it was uh, made for a good team. Anyway, yeah, Secret X-Men. I like the idea of these characters want having uh, you know they wanted to be in the x-men team and kind of having a, a a team up otherwise but this this issue it it it, it was just for funsies it it, it wasn't yeah. you know it didn't go anywhere it didn't do anything i i will openly admit that i am like a fanboy of armor so like yeah any anytime we can throw on a team cool <laughs> I'm stoked to see more tempo, but it looks like we're going to be able to do that in Marauders. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about her. I'll, I'll talk about her more when we talk about the Marauders annual. But okay, what are some fun scenes? Okay, I guess. Okay, what's the one issue plot? One issue plot is yeah. Deathbird goes and recruits Bobby, who who has a huge crush on her, and she's like, "Hey, the two precogs of the Shi'ar Empire, Oracle, and somebody else that I forget off the top of my head, Delphus." Delphus have foreseen that someone is going to try to kill Xandra, Empress Xandra. Yeah. So I need you. I, I can't get the Sargeamerism or sorry, the, I can't get the Imperial Guard involved. This needs to be secret because they don't know where the attack is coming from. So I need you, Bobby, to recruit your X-Men and come and save Xandra. And then so he's like, oh right my x-men and so mm-hmm. he because he's been he's been <laughs> bragging to women out in space that he's the leader of the x-men to, to yeah. get laid so he goes and recruits them to go and deal with this and then um, at the end of it we'll, we'll go into like yeah. minor details here and there but like at the end of it Deathbird gets impaled and then they go and deal with the assault and right after the precogs tell Xandra to wipe the memories of this entire thing and they can't know that Deathbird is missing and they go. And then the precogs kind of look at each other like, yes, we win. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could so, have been a scene in another title. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, and, and that's it, that. Like It was it just ends a on way to get some screen time for these characters who aren't very used or appreciated that said it wasn't amazing screen time like mm-hmm. still nobody but peter david knows how to write guido and i am forever <laughs> frustrated by that guido mm-hmm. is peter david guido is easily one of my favorite characters <laughs> and everyone else you know they barely even get like a panel to use their powers in a cool way right like it's just kind of right. it's just kind of whatever and so we do get a funny scene where they go to this sort of like space door 
that the Shi'ar has, has, this is very like Mines of Moria from Lord of the Rings, right? They, mm-hmm. they, they get to this, this mountain that has a door and they're like, oh, I, oh, it's telepathically, you know, encoded. We yeah. just need to, to send it. You shall enter. Right, exactly. Uh, oh, fuck. We forgot to put a telepath on the team. <laughs> so that, that was a funny bit. And then they basically guess the answer. And it's, did you do the word? And you, you complete a word search that's in, or, or like a, a scramble puzzle mm-hmm. to, to do it in the, uh, it, it's in the issue, right? Yeah. So did you do, did you do the puzzle? I did it in my head. Yeah. I got the letters, but I yeah. couldn't think of the word. I, I, I was like, sale S. Yeah. <laughs> Sally. No, uh, it was Alice. I was trying to think of a, yeah, it was Alice. Yeah. I was trying to think of an actual name. How right. dare they? <laughs> I, I was doing that too. I was trying to think who's the telepath that they got. I thought that's what the, the what, what mm. it was and not mm-hmm. figure out the password. But anyway. Not allies. <laughs> right. So speak allies and enter. It's. Yeah. It's, it even is designed like the scene is very much oh like straight out of Fellowship to- of the Ring. Totally, yeah. So the yeah, Sidri well, are here. The Sidri, yeah, they get to fight Sidri, which are still, to the best of our knowledge, still nesting at Westchester. Right. So so mm, all right. Okay. <laughs> Marrow makes a bone spacesuit. <laughs> yeah. Be- that and, was kind of And cool. she has to because Guido stitched together everybody else's spacesuits to, to create a spacesuit that fit his giant ass body. <laughs> armors, armors looking kind of Nimrod-y. Mm. I was, I was kind of getting some Nimrod feels with spikes. Interesting. <laughs> as much of a fanboy as I am of uh-huh. armor, Krakoan armor has been different. Yeah, like this look is kind of odd, but it's not a big deal. But then, like uh, when she was in, when she got brought into New Mutants, when they went to go save Cosmar, when she first mm-hmm. showed her powers, and Hisako was able to like manipulate her armor to move around, and like, oh yeah, it became like like an ectoplasm kind of thing that she could control. That was weird. Right. Right. That was weird. It's always just been a suit of armor that just gets bigger and smaller. When she was first introduced, it was blue because uh, she, it's it was defensive and it has since turned red as right. an offensive kind of stance. But like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> when it had more power, it got bigger. And I guess if you're going to do this whole like evolution of mutants and, the, and, and exploring the power and yada, 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 then yeah. you can argue that she can manipulate the shape and size and all that kind of stuff but i don't know it it happened off screen and so that's that's just weird for me i guess <sighs> she got teleported out of her armor back oh, in wolverine the x-men that's weird yeah and her armor didn't dissipate and she couldn't activate her powers for a while she she went through like a real depression about it weird yeah i don't honestly remember how it got res- resolved <laughs> but um yeah, it was a classic attack on the mansion. And right. then she got removed from the armor. And so then the armor was just standing outside of the um, outside of the school. Interesting. Just there. That's a cool visual. Yeah, it was very interesting. Banshee can use his powers in space. I, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't do that during the Phoenix Saga, but that's fine. Hey, evolution of powers. And he's been brought back to life. And so... 
Krakoa upgrade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's dumb. I don't think there's anything else to really talk about here. My other one thing, so the whole thing is like blah, blah, blah. Xandra learns a lesson about leadership, right? Mm-hmm. This whole thing about, you know, Deathbird goes missing and the precogs erase the X-Men's memories of the whole thing. I don't know if we're supposed to take away from this that the precogs are untrustworthy in some way. It's just the look that they give themselves in the yeah. very last cell. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be... Like, I don't know when Marvel would ever follow up on that as a potential plot line. It's like the main, mm-hmm. it, like if there was an issue two of this or if there was a full right. like trade, you know, a full miniseries or trade paperback of this, I'd be like, OK, so this is what the, the you know, the 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 story arc of, of this whole title is going to be. But this being a one shot, I'm not sure we're going to. It's very strange. Yeah. I mean, so basically, it's, which makes it's, me think it's, that it's, it's not actually a thing. Like, because there's no avenue to to follow up on this as an ongoing plot issue, it makes me think that we're probably not supposed to to interpret this as untrustworthy untrustworthiness from the precogs, and then well, and then we're okay with, and, and then it's just a weird arts quirk. At the end of the day, though, this serves to isolate Sandra. Like, That's true. So Deathbird said that she hired the Cedri to yeah. test the X-Men. Right. And then, but then a Cedri is what impales Deathbird at the end. Right. And then she gets teleported away. And the precogs are like, Empresses do not always get to have friends, my lady. You are Empress. We merely advise, but you must choose quickly. And that's what they tell her to convince her that she doesn't need her X-Men. She doesn't need her friends. Right. When, when we just her saw allies. in Sword that she's a huge fangirl of Storm. Yeah. And so they're convincing Xandra that she doesn't need the mutants right. to be in her life. And then so she wipes this mission from this team's memory. Right. And then they look at each other. And, and so like, yeah, this one issue has removed her sworn bodyguard Deathbird, Right. And her relationship with the mutants. Right. So like, I feel like if this is going to get paid off, they'll be in a, obviously in a different title. Cause this is a single issue, but right. th- it'll be a plot for one book's worth of, story later and again this makes me think that this was supposed to be a hickman story yeah you know hickman's got the wheels within wheels he would have a a purpose for isolating xandra like this or whatever right right Mm -hmm. anyway move along Sabretooth number one yeah let's go on to bigger and better yeah Sabretooth number one so Sabretooth again is in the pit of krakoa yeah so let's 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 talk and we we kind of mentioned it quickly, but basically, he was on a mission for Krakoa in how in the very very early days, the founding of the the nation, and he killed some humans. And they're like, "Yeah, we can't have you out there killing humans. We can't kill humans at all, actually, because we blah 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 blah." And so they created their laws of Krakoa for the first time, and they decided on the punishment and that was basically we're not running prisons on Krakoa 
and we're not, we can't really do capital punishment because we just bring everybody back to life. So we're just going to stick you in a hole. We're going to stick you in a pit of Krakoa where Krakoa's sort of like ability or necessity to feed off of mutant energy is just going to keep you sedated and in a coma indefinitely. You'll be alive. You will be unaware. And you're just going to like hang out there until further notice. Forever is essentially the punishment, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, so it opens with that trial of, of Sabretooth of we're going to send you in. And it's just, it's this, this time we get Sabretooth's perspective, which yeah, I really liked. And again, this is, these, these are plot hooks that happened years ago in publication time mm-hmm. and the way that they kind of explain it. Cause, cause this first issue basically takes you, or these first couple issues takes you all the way to the present of publication yeah. time. And they kind of, you know, uh, so they're able to, to skip through a lot of time and, and kind of summarize really effectively. And mm-hmm. they kind of come up with the, the reason or the excuse of like, well, time moves different in the pit. What right. you experience versus it's the quantum realm, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the little like side comments from Sabretooth are a lot of fun where he just says, th- saying things like, uh, how does Xavier even see out of that helmet? <laughs> he makes for an engaging narrator. In this, he does. He, he's always kind of had a like, like the the crass speaker of truth. You know, like mm-hmm, I say mm-hmm. the the dirty truths that nobody else wants to to kind of face or admit. And like in real life, the, I find that mostly annoying. But <laughs> <laughs> in comics, <laughs> yeah, when when you can be a fly on the wall, it's it's great. Right, exactly. <laughs> the, uh, Magneto passing judgment on anyone is a laugh. I, <laughs> I admit I always liked pur- uh, Purple Thunder's style. It's like, yeah, you have like reported to Magneto a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then calling Sinister Mystique and Exodus the Rainbow Gang. Yeah. <laughs> she, he also makes mention of, of the name Lenny. When yeah, so I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, that was her alias when they hooked up and had Graydon. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so for those who don't know, Mystique and Sabretooth have had a kid, yeah. uh, Graydon Creed, and he's a human, and he uh, was one of the biggest anti-mutant bigots out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for a good while. Leader of Friends of Humanity, presidential candidate. And then was assassinated. Just a, yeah, despicable character. And then, yeah, so then, you know, two pages later, he gets dropped down into the pit. And you're like, well, what happens? And then you get your little intro. And then <laughs> and then we just get, like, different, the things that Sabretooth's mind has been doing since he's been locked up. Yeah, so this part is interesting. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> You want to go go over so like basically we get 
So his mind is still going and, and he gets sort of like a, a deal from DA Doug. DA meaning district attorney, Doug meaning Doug Ramsey, a.k.a. Cypher. He walks in on basically, uh, oh, sorry, before this, he's he's imagining like, you know, killing people. For, different lives, basically. Yeah, <laughs> different lives he's had and killing people for, for revenge. And one is the an X-Men team coming after him uh, and he kills them all. That is the exact same X-Men team. Scott, Gene, Wolverine, Kurt, and Storm that Sinister was scheming on in the last volume with all the DNA. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's not thought. that remarkable because it's like, but oh, these still. are the ones who are on the Quiet Council <laughs> plus, you know. Plus, plus, Wolverine plus Wolverine and Cyclops. It's like Cyclops leader of the X-Men and Wolverine because Sabretooth. <laughs> yeah, and also because Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> He's on every fucking team. You cannot stop Wolverine from being on an X-Men team. Yeah. And so he basically plays out fantasies about how yeah. effectively he'd win. Mm-hmm. Like swiping Scott and breaking his visor and then turning his head and taking out the team. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Visual plays like Kurt teleporting to to rip out his heart and then Sabretooth thinking to himself, nah, I don't have a heart. And then he pulls out the hand and it's just his heart. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, this is going to hurt so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, and then, yeah, then he gets visited by D.A. Douglas. Yeah. And sorry, another thing, the whole way through, he's, there's kind of this mantra of like, I know what I am, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, everyone else is having these illusions of like, sophistication or sociality and everyone else kind of has to live this sort of like super ego pretense of, of trying to, you know, everyone else has to, to, to kind of like live these dual lives of who they are inside and, and who they are to society. And he makes no dual effort to that. He's like, I'm the same person through and through. And I think that's going to come up a lot later because a lot of this series is about his internal self, his self-discovery, and potentially eventually transformation. But yes, so D.A. Doug, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was here like 10 minutes ago. So Cypher comes into his mental escape with Warlock as a briefcase, and he says, I'm going to cut you a deal. I represent <laughs> the state. And I'm going to basically give you consciousness down here. I'm going to let you think in a more broad sense. And because yeah, so Krakoa feels that his punishment is too harsh, mm-hmm. which is crazy because it, he's basically a snack for Krakoa. It's like you eat yeah. a Cheeto and you're like, oh, that Cheeto's got it rough. Oh, that poor <laughs> Cheeto. <laughs> <laughs> what about the incarcerated Cheetos? Right. <laughs> well, yeah. There's like you were judged. You were judged too harshly. Let me make you an offer to basically let him have his mind back to go forward in like relatively real time. Yeah, and that bodes poorly, but strangely, <laughs> at the very least. And so the first thing yeah. that he does with his you know, mental freedom is more killing. 
<laughs> he kills Xavier, and then he rips off Iron Fist's hands because he was an Iron Fist villain first. I didn't know first, but yeah. he does. He definitely has history. I have a. I have a fucking. Iron Fist book where Sabretooth shows up as his antagonist and they like talk about that they've got history and I was like since when <laughs> Sabretooth's very first appearance now okay Claremont was writing Iron Fist <laughs> okay okay <laughs> I believe I think so but yeah so that yeah, was his- so interesting to me and then he he kills all of the sort of canine themed mutants etc etc he's just killing and then, yeah. and then he gets bored of it, essentially. And he's like, what's next? Yeah. Yeah. And then he kind of splits his consciousness off into three. He's got himself as a child, a feral abused child. He's the got- boy. Yeah, boy. Yeah, is named boy. And then the boy. And then there's the beast, who is sort of like his classic supervillain costume self. And then there's the captain, which is him in a three-piece suit. I think technically this is just a two-piece suit. Is it? I guess we don't see the vest. There's no vest. Not a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) And then he has this like fourth aspect of the cat. Yeah, They all have the same eyes, which is why I'm I'm making sure that the cat gets mentioned. Good point. Uh, Yes, the cat definitely (laughs) involves, is is necessary. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious how the cat will play out. And then he has like a fantasy where he's Conan, basically. And then he has one <laughs> yeah. where he's all of the Star Jammers, and they all the have age his of Creed. Chops. <laughs> they all, yeah. <laughs> Except for Lilandra, who's just blonde. <laughs> it's very yep. silly. And then he starts banning, manifesting himself around yeah. Yeah. the island, around Krakoa. Yeah, so while he's off fantasizing and just having a grand time in his own little mind space, Krakoa or his his Krakoa starts making these like branchy versions of himself. Tom, Black Tom sees it. He's like, "Uh, was that you?" And Krakoa's <laughs> just like, mm, "This is not good." <laughs> and then he's like, starts having these like light-based projections of himself all over the island. Yeah. He appears to Rhapsody, the violinist from the Hellfire Gala, and Blob, but then he appears to Mole, who is a a character, one of the Morlocks, who was presumed killed by Sabretooth during the Mutant Massacre. He's hanging out in Krakoa. That's not a strange thing in Krakoa, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was, he was, I, he was killed, he was killed off screen because yeah. like Sabretooth showed up, said his little thing, and then yeah. they moved on. And you're like, okay, yeah. well, he's he's gone, right? <laughs> and then he just ransacks. He has this as King as King Creed, or kind of more Devil King Creed. Yeah, he's created this like hellscape for himself. Yeah, where Sa- he Sa- has- Saber Mephisto, basically. Saber Fisto, yeah. where he has t- killed the Quiet Council. And while he's like chilling, just looking at his destruction and chaos, the sky opens up, the clouds yeah. part. And he's like, the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and then five more mutants get added 
to his roster. They yeah. just show up in his little hellscape. Yeah. All of a sudden the skies open up and five more people are down here in the pit with him. They have been sentenced. We presume, and we later learn for sure by the quiet council. You want to talk about who's down here and how crazy some of these decisions are. So five people show up. One is Necra. Yes. Zine power is Hulk basically. Yeah. She gets the angrier. She gets the stronger she gets. And, and she is kind of a old school, random Z-list villain. She has had a lot of team-ups with Mandrill and Grim Reaper. And it seems like she had, once upon a time, I don't know if this was a classic story or, or this is what was going on at Krakoa necessarily, but I saw this on the wiki. She gathered a cult of black women to overthrow America. Oh, I don't see the crime there, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, okay. That explains. Okay. Yeah. The third that, mutant. that was, yeah, that was a, that was a classic story that was in, in spider woman comic from 1979. So you've got black exploitation, femme exploitation mm. all over the place. Got you. Yeah. And then we get Madison Jeffries, who doesn't have a mutant name, but uh, his mutant power. Oh, he does? Yeah, Box. Oh, Box. Okay, well, we have Box. He's he's the second (laughs) Box. Alpha Flight. Alpha Flight had a character named Roger Box, spelled B-O-C-H-S. And he he had basically created an an armor called the Box, B-O-X armor. And mm. he was a uh, double amputee in his legs. So he like used it like a mecha suit. And the longer he stayed in it, the more like addicted to it he got. Blah, 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 mm. blah, blah. He ended up breaking bad. And then Madison Jeffries, who has technopathy powers and can kind of create yeah. anything out of machines, yeah. kind of just took over the box name and powers and joined so- Alpha Flight. And then. Was the love interest one of uh, love interest number like seven of 50 for Heather Douglas after Mac died or Heather, not Heather Douglas, Heather. Yeah. Hudson. Hudson. After Mac died. It's, it's Heather funny. Douglas Cause is like moon dragon, right? Heather Douglas is moon dragon. Okay. Yes. So Madison Jeffries has been in like, maybe two storylines since the X club fell apart. Yeah. Which was a utopia era. The last time the mutants decided to have a nation. (laughs) And like, (laughs) I've always kind of felt that I feel like we talked about this back in utopia, but like, I feel kind of bad for Jeffries because he's, I feel like he's underutilized. He's, he's he's a a great character because create, any yes. technological thing. <laughs> and crucially, he's kind of a dum-dum. He is kind of a dum-dum. And so like he got poor in, in the stories he's been in his like crux was that he always fell in love with the devices that he created. Yeah. <laughs> like he was just convinced that they had personalities, even though there's this whole other <laughs> realm of, of AI that just has this whole conversation already, but right. whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so like he, like, why did Forge not reach out? Like, I don't know. I feel like 
I feel like in the world of Krakoa, when they're like really ramping up their like presence, Master Jeffries would have been a great addition totally. to creating tech. It just they doesn't make sense to me. They just, they, yeah, he, he would have been a very useful member of society if they were just like start up the X club again. They did cool shit. Yeah. They worked well together. Dr. Nemesis and Jeffries were like, Dr. Nemesis, Jeffries, Kavita oh, Rao. I guess Kavita Rao. Rao can't be there because she no, is a human. human. Dr. Takeguchi died. The Godzilla guy. And then who else? That was... Was that it? it? it oh, X Club was, was four. Beast. Beast. And, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. My bad. Beast. <laughs> but, like, th- that was... It was such a cool idea. It was just, yeah. like, science for the F of it, but mutants. Yeah. And it was such a cool... It, it lasted for my version of a one-shot for a, a limited series. And they, so, yeah, they, they was only it. had their title for, for a limited series, but they were recurring part they of the were, cast yeah. of characters on were the sort of big cast Utopia, Utopia yeah. era. And they such were, a cool group. They were a delight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Madison Jeffries, whose greatest crime was falling in love with too many things... Is down here in essentially purgatory hell right. for unspeakable crimes. And we don't know what, like, Necra is like, okay, you were a villain. Maybe we it get makes it. makes sense. You Madison got caught. Jeffries, what are you doing here? And then, and then the third, who's third, the only other one that I know a lot about, Oya, is Oya, who has a really interesting AKA, uh, ID Oconquo. Yeah. And she was one of the new mutant manifestations after Avengers versus X-Men who, um, yeah. oh no, sorry. She after, was after, Generation uh, Hope. after second coming that hope sort of shepherded in and was part of mm-hmm. her team. And she, she, she was, was the youngest of all of them. Character. She looks kind of grown up now, but she's always been portrayed more as like a, a little kid in my yeah. eyes. And she's got like, fire ice powers like one hand's fire one hand's ice yeah but so like on top of that it's always at the same time because she takes the heat from what she like absorbs the heat with one hand and has to shoot it out with the other yeah so she's always shooting fire and ice at the same time like so she's it's super cool so she's always got like net zero yeah. Degrees. Yeah. But it, she's always so, but it's in the form of fire and ice. Temperature so cool. redirection. Yeah. She, and like, and so like her mutant suit was super cool because it was like black down the center and yeah. then like orange fire and, and like water, ice, light blue on the other side. Yeah. But she's always had, she's always felt like a demon or a sinner or yeah. she's always felt like she was evil because she was a mutant, she mm-hmm. internalized the anti-mutant propaganda. Whenever, mm-hmm. when everyone was like, you know, God hates mutants, she's like, yes, I'm a mutant. Yeah. So she had a really interesting storyline. Yeah, that. of just like she was legitimately like it was weird because she's a very she was a very stoic character, and so like when she talks about how she is a demon, she says it with a straight face. Like she's not like your typical like sitting in the corner sobbing curled up in a ball right like she's very wreck. matter of fact she's just like yeah i'm a, i don't deserve to live yeah she's like, like i don't do know why you saved me i will torture ridiculous. myself but yeah it was she's she's such a standout character from Generation totally. Hope. and here she is 
like a, like Madison Jeffries and Necra in mm-hmm. Purgatory Hell. Ter- terrible for her. Like I feel so bad for her. I just want I all know. the good things for her. She puts well, herself and, through and so much things, torture. Yeah. So one of the things. Were, so like at the end of her like appearance run, she was totally fine with killing people. Yeah. Like. It, she was she got that dark that she was just like if you guys won't listen to me that i deserve to be dead then i'll just i'll go and earn it <laughs> yes and it was it's so like her showing up here i'm just like oh no like has she not been able to let go of that it's all these questions yeah. <laughs> and then we have two more who i don't know anything about uh so I these think can you, probably read, go faster. you've read this kid melter before so melter is yeah. That's his mutant name. He's a melter. He is, <laughs> he he is not. He is not the first melter. The original melter was part of the Masters of Evil from way back. Yada yada yada. He was part of the Young Masters. He's he's been sort of like I, I looked him up on the wiki. He's been a character within the last like five ten years or so. Mm. But yeah, he's he's a younger, newer character, and he's mm-hmm. he's a kid. He's like yeah you know younger looks teenager. like he's like 17 yeah 17 18 around there yeah and very very sad and impressionable and then the yeah and then this last guy is third eye and he is a new character for this series oh okay yeah oh, that's convenient right. <laughs> um <laughs> given what happens in the next two issues right but yeah so the five of them just show up and they're like what the hell where are we and sarah two is just like hey welcome you, I'm gonna I'm gonna play with you guys until I kill every single mutant on on uh, Krakoa. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the end of the issue. And you're like, ah, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll we'll get issues two and three later in this pod. So yeah, wonderful idea for yeah. this title. So Sabretooth now. So because because. Even while he was in a coma, he's going around and just like killing things in his imagination. Yeah. And then Kirkoa and Doug are like, hey, we're going to unlock your brain because we feel like you should at least, you know, be a prisoner in your body and not just right. in life. And so, and then, so he goes through all these different fantasies about <laughs> uh, ways to be a killer. <laughs> and then because he's spent so much time down there, he has gotten so ingrained in the psychic drain of Krakoa yeah. that he's now manifesting across the Island. Yes. And just having this power fantasy of a little hell that he's made for himself that he got to be the King of, cause there's a time where he got killed by the Muramasa <laughs> blade and uh-huh. was spent time as Mephisto's dog. And uh-huh. so, like, he has actual experience in hell. He's got he's got the, relevant job throne. experience here. <laughs> yeah, he did an internship, and he's chilling, do, being his own king of hell. And five more mutants show up. Five more mutants have been dropped into the pit of Krakoa, and 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 where does that go from here? Yeah. And not and it's not that they're in their own hell. They get brought into the into hell that Sabretooth yeah. has created. Right. Which which big picture says so much more about the looseness of the pit. Yeah. That say, that the first person in the pit has completely taken over That's a good point. whatever the astral realm type space you go to when you get thrown into the pit. That's very interesting. Yeah. So 
So Devil's Reign X-Men. Sorry. I was gonna say, did you did you read Devil's Reign X-Men? Did you end up reading it? Yeah, yeah, of course. I assume so. Okay. Yeah. Did you have any like special takeaways that like stood out to you? Yeah, let's go through this quick because it's been half covered on the pod once before. Yeah. So we'll go one through three here. It kind of this becomes the the bridge from Trials Volume Trials 11, 11 to 12. Volume 12. So yeah, it the the basic story is that Emma once upon a time worked as sort of the one of the two fixers slash assassins for Kingpin. And whereas um, Electra outright murdered people, Emma kind of destroyed, discredited people, you know, <laughs> reputation wise. She could get close to anybody, compromising position and uh, tear apart their lives, dig in on compromising material, et cetera, et cetera. So, we're kind of even the likes of Nick Fury senior. Yeah. Yes. And so, so this becomes relevant in the present day because the X-Men have their treehouse base just outside of central park, Seneca garden. And mm-hmm. another thing that I found out about before we saw <laughs> yeah. the treehouse, I was like, well, I won't <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> and so Wilson Fisk is the mayor of New York City at this time, and he is um, he's got basically a mandate against superheroics in New York, which is like, what is New York without that shit, man? Um, <laughs> the world we see outside our window. What are you talking right? about? It's like fifty percent of the population. So. It's basically a leverage battle between, in the present, it's a leverage battle between Emma and Kingpin in terms of who has the more distinct compromising information on the other based on their history of working together. And, you know, that plays out mostly around this plot about this little girl who witnessed one of Electra's murders and Electra and Emma kind of teamed up to send her away, give her a better life. Fisk sent Emma to basically kill her. And she, Emma instead sent her away to the UK to live a different life. And then the twist of the whole thing is Electra taught her how to do Kung Fu and then they'd have a cool team up. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's the summary, right? Mm -hmm. A few things. I really appreciated how the timeline, the timelines all kind of, synced up you know Mm -hmm. the era in which electro was kingpin's assassin being at the same time as like the early days of emma's involvement in the hellfire club being the same time that uh spider-man was in his black suit Mm -hmm. and and it all it like it this makes sense as a point in emma frost's life and her like broader character arc which was really cool to me and young emma is of like I Emma's an incredible character. Emma Frost mm-hmm. is one of the best characters in the X-Men's arsenal. Yeah, they legit they it doesn't take a lot of effort, but they've been going through a lot of strides to make Emma one of my favorite characters. She just sure. like the depth of her like the things that she gives a fuck and does not give a fuck about <laughs> <laughs> are just fantastic and she is she has such particular like 
confidences and insecurities that are, are, and just a very, very deep sense of herself. I don't know. She, she's a great character. And so young Emma is fascinating because she has changed so much over the time, over the course of her history. So getting, getting some young Emma is a blast, you know, when she's a little more like ruthless and power hungry and hasn't kind of made her, her hero turn yet, but clearly has it in her. Right. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed reading that. Another note that I have. So the Thunderbolts are basically giving the eviction notice to, to the X-Men at the, at the treehouse. And Scott, or, or what's his name? John Walker, AKA us agent comes with some tanks and throws the shield. And Polaris is just like, nah, <laughs> the shield ain't moving. <laughs> the tanks ain't moving. We're good here. <laughs> Whatever you're trying to do, it's not going to work. And just a very fun sort of like nonviolent, non-cooperation use of mutant powers. I always find fun also, Rhino is on this Thunderbolts team, and he and Gambit have kind of like a a crossing of words. Like, are you really doing this, Rhino? Like, because I know Rhino's kind of been like dubiously not a villain, or or kind of like he's a much more sympathetic character and has you know deeper motivations. But I wasn't aware that the two of them specifically had history. Is that something that you know more about? It might have been in something that I've read technically, (laughs) but it was, it's never, I feel like this is one of those things where like, I think they felt like if we don't address it, someone's going to say something. Sure. Yeah. Like it might've been one storyline. Like every, it's not, it's not a plot point. This is in order to, to reestablish and like burnish the fact that, Rhino is a sympathetic character more than it is to hint at a specific history yeah. between the two of them. Maybe anyway, I, I feel like that. Yeah. I felt like it it, it's worth. legit. Like it's yeah. one of those things where like, if I knew the X-Men's history as well as you do, but with Spider-Man <laughs> <laughs> and I saw, I saw Rhino cross paths with rogue here when she's married to Gambit yeah. and they didn't reference <laughs> this, sure. I'd be like, does Gambit not tell Rogue about his past? Or like, <laughs> what's going on here? So like, yeah, Fair. it's two cells, not even in, it's a, a yeah. fifth of a page. Right. So, yeah. It, it makes me happy, even though I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we go through sort of like the history of Emma's crimes for Fisk. They include impersonating Sue Storm, uh, aka the Invisible Woman, to apply for a fraudulent bank loan, thought napping some some sort of invention or tech or whatever from Howard Stark, influencing Jen Walters, aka She Hulk, in a legal case, and. Nudging Nick Fury to ignore Nuke, who was another <laughs> weapon of Kingpin's at the time. Yeah. Wild stuff. Oh, and, man. And, right. and just, just ah, the, the, she's so the cool. Ease, yeah. The ease with which Emma kind of wanders into people's lives and fucks shit up psychically. Even these like huge heavy hitters. 
Nick Fury, mm-hmm. Howard Stark, Sue Storm, right? Like these are A-listers of the Marvel Universe. And she just <laughs> walks in and fucks their lives up. Does a little thing and then says, says see you later. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> and, and okay, so on a on a personal <laughs> fanboy note for obvious reasons, yeah. she gets the like, she gets like a psychic imprint uh from from spider-man of like yeah. why he's why he fights yes. crime that was that was in my list but yes that was next on my my or my notes but please go ahead cool <laughs> well so like he he drops in on Electra fixing a, a problem <laughs> yeah. um and so he's trying to get her to not kill and and emma's like well first of all stop <laughs> yeah <laughs> second What's going on with you? Like, why? What was your upset? You had nothing to do with this. Why? Why are you like? Why are you doing this? And so she takes a peek into his head, and she sees just like a like like full I, montage. I'm so curious. I'm so curious how she sees it, but like yeah. she basically gets this like who's who breakdown table of contents of the things he's been through that have influenced him to be the hero that he is. Yeah. Not the least of which is Uncle Ben, and with great power must also come great responsibility yeah and she has the and so then on the next page she 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 pauses she has a super pained look on her face because now she knows and she's like you were just a boy yeah and it's like oh my god i know (laughs) (laughs) and then she kisses him on the cheek and she's (laughs) oh thank you for what you do and then she's like okay well you're good Move, turn around, forget this. Forget yeah. you saw this, and let's move on with our lives. It's yeah. like, oh my god, that was <sighs> a fantastic scene. <laughs> so good, so like good. Emma being stopped speechless, right? Yeah, maybe four times in all of comic book history. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn! Now I'm actually kind of curious. Okay, whatever. Okay, yeah. moving on. <laughs> She takes on uh, for her sort of like she goes to the UK to the London Hellfire Club and to to follow up with sort of to, to you know, follow up with this kid who she kind of whose life she kind of dropped over there, gave a new life to the witness that I mentioned earlier. She she borrows Kate's Marauder, uh, Kate Pride's Marauder's clothes. <laughs> that was that was entertaining. That's all. Just the the quick costume change there. Emma is certainly, you know, great at costume changes as we saw in Hellfire Gala. <laughs> and then <laughs> so the 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 local constables or whatever Brits call their cops come to arrest Emma and Union Jack gets the drop on her first and then the local constables come and and they all come to arrest her and and then she psychically, you know, turns enough of them to get them to do her bidding and gets herself out of this. And Union Jack is like, what the hell? Why aren't you all wearing your side dampeners? And it turns out that she's basically saved by anti-vaxxers. Because 
See, she says, from a quick telepathic sem- uh, census, it seems that half the rank and file constabulary believes that tele- telepathy is a hoax, while more believe the lie that it, that side dampeners against your skull cause tumors. <laughs> yeah, I loved that. I loved that. I was like, oh, man. It just That's great. How easy it is to manipulate Not people. only in America. I know. <laughs> Something I didn't notice the first time I read it, but I did this time. The the side dampener collar is, has an Orcus logo on it. Oh, I didn't see that. You're right. That's it's legitimate. It's like they copy pasted the PNG of uh, Hickman's Orcus structure logo. Uh-huh. <laughs> It just yeah, it's really it true. There. It just looks. It it is just photoshopped it right so in there. Out of place. It doesn't because match it's, it's the not color in, scheme. Yeah, of the rest of the it doesn't match the color scheme. It doesn't ma- match the artwork. It's legitimately nope. just a drag and drop PNG. Yep. You're totally right. <laughs> Fuck, that's terrible. They but, just edited in there in post. Yeah, yeah, but it it is a thing that's there. Yeah, but yeah, she psychics don't break break sweats. But yeah. like, without breaking a switch, yep. just waltzed out of there. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, having all the cops do cartwheels and sexy dancing and have a bear mace party with each other. <laughs> <laughs> just a delightful scene. And then we get a note here. We're just kind of like, whatever, talking about the... We get a lot here about <laughs> Emma's particular feelings of maternal responsibility essentially Mm. and kind of like what a fraught mother figure she's been in mute you know in all of her appearances yeah with the hellions and then with generation x like she clearly cares about kids and she cares about being a good teacher but she just you know especially early in her life before she joined the x-men and kind of had her redemption tour like she just fucked things up a lot. And so she she sets Isabel as this girl, the witness's name. She sets Isabel up. You know, she Isabel was living in foster care. She didn't have, you know, family connections or anything like that. So Emma set Isabel up with a brand new life and tons of money and all these comforts and, and horses and shit like that. And when they finally meet up face to face again, Isabel's like, I really could have done with seeing you some like, thank you Mm. for all this and everything. And Emma was like, you were better off without me and with the money. And she's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And and then Emma kind of like breaks right with it. Okay. So I thought sorting you abroad with good, with ponies and a good family was one of the things in my life that I did right. I made plans to bring you home and then Genosha happened and I could not bear more funerals for children. It's just like, wow, that gets deep into. That is the closest we've gotten to any sort of trauma, vulnerability of from Emma being Frost. in the middle of sixteen million mutant deaths. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man, I will never stop stressing out about her living through that. Just, yeah. Oh. Oh. So yeah. So like I said. You know, she the the big twist is that 
Electra trained this girl, Isabel. And so when Union Jack and the cops come, she fights back and then they make it to Krakoa together. <laughs> the first, the first view of Krakoa, Isabel's like, mm, I changed my mind. I can't live in Krakoa. I, I'm a city person. <laughs> I'm a city rat. Yeah. Yep. And then we kind of get the, the final, you know, tete a tete between Emma and Kingpin, where it's clear that. All of the dirt that Kingpin's trying to put on Emma to force her and the basically she bought the you know they used her money to buy the uh, the the property that the treehouse was on and so Seneca Gardens whatever yeah Seneca Gardens and so it was you know this is sort of the technicality that Fisk is trying to use to kick her out. And with the implication that, you know, the dirt that he has on her will make this criminal invalid, blah, 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 blah. And then when it's clear that she has the upper hand, you know, with her lawyers and, and that's all cleared up. And then she walks in on Fisk and his wife at this point, which is never going to not be wild to me. Typhoid Mary, Mm-hmm. Get basically gets you know walks in on them in bed together and and takes over Mary's brain. Fisk immediately knows it's her. <laughs> Emma. Yeah, he, she's yeah. straddling him in bed, and he's like, "Mary, what's going on?" And then there's a knife on his throat. And he's like, "Emma, <laughs> how dare you use my wife to put a blade across my neck?" Hilarious. And then it turns out that she's in the room with them and basically gives the Tyrion Lannister, your victory will turn to ashes in your mouth speech. And is <laughs> like, uh, if you manage f- to wiggle free of, of all of this shit that you are pulling as mayor, you still have uh, me killing you to look forward to. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, like just that scene. Cause like I thought this was gonna be like a one and done right. kind of thing. But now they are cementing themselves as having yeah. this other huge franchise connected to Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got the Daredevil franchise. So it started with Spider-Man franchise. Right. And they're like, wait, it makes way more sense for it to be a Daredevil <laughs> right. villain. Cool. So now you've got the Daredevil franchise connected to him. And then here we have a side a side book to a crossover event and then it's like oh by the way the mutants are also heavily yeah. <laughs> invested well a why not who is a big player in in Krakoa yeah is also heavily tied to Wilson Fisk I'm like oh god okay Good okay stuff. okay yeah okay. <laughs> oh it's great moving along x-men number eight x-men number eight another non-starter for me yeah me too Modoc is the villain this time for whatever reason. For whatever reason. He kicks somebody in the face with his teeny little baby legs, which I found hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine how close he had to get. He's attacking a cruise ship, basically, and turning everybody into sort of like his science experiments. Did mm-hmm. And amygdala sort of like adrenal gland type experiment that is turning people, you know, violent against each other, essentially. (laughs) There is the line in here, which you will have to answer for me from Laura Kinney, Wolverine. Why do people take cruises? 
Right? How dare she? <laughs> she learns by the end of it, by the way. But yes, she does. <laughs> for me, it's it's the novelty of a mobile hotel. Yeah. Like I'm staying, I I bought I bought X number of nights in this hotel room. Mm. I can unpack. I go to sleep in the same bed for the next week, but I'm waking up in a different uh, city, a different country sometimes, yeah. a different port. And because of the connections that the cruise line has, I can get this curated tour to give me insight into this city that I've never been to that I'm not going to get by just wandering around. Totally. Cool. I love cruises. Awesome. Also, there's there's so much food. <laughs> yes. Which ends up being both Modoc and Lori Kinney's uh, takeaway from the whole thing. There's so much food on cruise lines. There's always something open that you can just go and all you can eat whenever. So except for like maybe 2 a.m. to about 5:30 a.m. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, we 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 get a scene where they they bust in Laura and Sink bust in on on Modoc at the buffet. Yeah, because he hasn't taken the time to get away. <laughs> <laughs> does 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 Modoc have a stomach? What is the what is what is the what's the anatomy? What's the biology here? How when he's Stuffs his gigantic face. So Where does it he, go? So he was a regular human. Right. And was altered to have this giant head and has and shrink the rest of his body. So technically, he does still have a stomach. Where? There's just not much of one. His legs aren't coming out of his head. Like <laughs> his okay, body his is arms like clearly down are. There. Yeah, kind of. It, yeah, <laughs> it's a Kirby situation, and Kirby eats yeah. everything. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant so, Jack Kirby. No, <laughs> no, because I think he <laughs> was created by Jack Kirby. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, he does he does he? Yes, but in 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 by my physical calculations i feel like it's like the size of a broccoli like you eat (laughs) a broccoli and you're stuffed okay yeah he doesn't have much of a plate going on here you know he's got a couple sausage links and some he's going for a second helping of of mashed potatoes compared Mm -hmm. to the size of his mouth that's not much of a okay (laughs) just curious just just wanted to know no it's it's a good question (laughs) It's a legitimate question is what it is. <laughs> so, uh, Laura and so Laura war- is warming up every, every issue. I feel yes. like at least every other Laura's warming up more and more to sink and being curious or wanting to know what happened in the vault. Yeah. In their time, their centuries in the vault together. They're 500 years in the vault. <laughs> yeah. And, and she asks, I do have one question. How long did it take for me to warm up to you? <laughs> a couple of years, a couple of hundred years. <laughs> She's like, oh, that's fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was 217 uh, years before our first kiss, but who was counting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when I read that and she like goes off to do her next fight, she's like, well, I admire patience in a partner. Ask me yeah. again sometime. Yeah. 
I I I got excited. I don't right. know why I like this couple so much. Right. It's so out of nowhere and it's it completely circumstantial. It's so out of nowhere. <laughs> it makes me wonder if this was chosen by Hickman for a particular reason or if this was just mm-hmm. like I want to give Sink a place on like I like Sink and I want him back and give him a cool <laughs> mission and and give Laura a love interest at the same time. Sweet. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like, cause like for me, it's just like, I really like Laura Kinney. Mm-hmm. And so maybe her having this and all, and like her journey of figuring out to be not a weapon has yeah, yeah. been so like integral to her character. Like, at first it was just learning to relax <laughs> yeah. and then, and then it was, it was learning to smile and to have right. fun. Yeah. And then it was learning to be a big sister to Gabby. Yeah. And, and, and now you have in the vault learning to actually let yourself feel love. And it's just like, she is just, oh, she's been around now for about 20 years mm-hmm. and she's just now getting to the point where she's willing to have a lover and like yeah. that just makes me so excited. And then totally. Sink, Kirko and Sink has just been kicking ass and taking names. Yeah. That now I'm a fan of Sink and right. I've always been a fan of Laura. Yeah. And how dare somebody just be like, hey, what if they were together? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. I mean, it's one of those things like like when Nova and Gamora hooked up in Annihilation mm. because they're just, it's just like one of those things that happens in war kind of thing. Right, right. And it's just like, okay. And like, it just took me a while to like warm up to it. But then you have, what if <laughs> you have these two characters that li- lived for centuries in war, in constant survival. Yeah, yeah they're going to fall for each other. Yeah. But, 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 but like, it's so like, it, it, it's the same argument but it's with two characters that I like so much. <laughs> and I never would have, I never would have fan cast. Like no. I never would have like shipped them. Or no, whatever never. The phrase is. Yeah. But I'm so here for it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It works. It's, oh, it's a, so it, great. It, it works so much better than the nineties generation X love triangle between sync M and Jubilee. Oh man, it makes me really curious who's gonna who's going to be worth magic's time. Cause it better yeah. be it better be I don't know if it's gonna be a man or a woman, because I don't know what her choice is, but mm-hmm. it better be a character that I really like because magic is my golden child and they do not mess <laughs> with magic. <laughs> Again, I I'm rooting for iBoy. Mm-hmm. I think that, that would be, be great. It could be fun. Just like somebody who's grounded and and not you know super warlike all the time not like steel mm-hmm. honing steel but like hey you want to get a burrito right yeah <laughs> back to back to x-men 8 x-men one thing that refuted my set of knowledge i was, was that- i was waiting for you for this i know where you're going <laughs> damn it <laughs> um <laughs> According to this, Laura's entire skeleton is coated in adamantium. Yeah, that's not, I don't think that tracks. That's not what it used to be. And I don't know when, it's it's funny because the more I think about it, maybe, but the more I think about it, the more I can start to picture or remember a conversation where Laura requested 
that she get oh. she got adamantium added to her skeleton. Interesting. But I I don't know when it happened. But if if it did and if that is if that actually is canon, okay, fine. But as of right now, she has a metal skeleton. Doc uh, Hen still does not. Right. Correct. Doc Hen still doesn't, and Gabby doesn't. And then, so so immediately following that, Modoc, you know, confirmation that she has a metal skeleton, or you know, at least mention that she does. Modoc flings her into water and says, "How do you swim?" With a metal skeleton, huh? Which exactly goes right at all of your frustration. <laughs> this entire Wolverine fucking subplot, yeah, of him Moby being a surfer, shit going. Oh, yeah, my God. and Moby snicked. Ugh. So stupid, so stupid. There's so many water-based mutants that could have handled that problem. It's <laughs> pretty true. I think they were really just trying to run out the clock on Wolverine. Uh, just like coming up with random shit for him to do before X lives, X deaths. Like I, I started yeah. reading the first couple pages of X lives, X deaths. <laughs> and I was like, this uh, doesn't involve any of the last like 10 issues of Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. So that's cool. Also, we get sort of a, uh, you know, a psychic intrusion by Gene into Modoc, And it turns out he just wants to be a grill dad. Just like his, his whole that's his, like that's his internal fantasy. Yeah. yeah. It's just just being a grill dad, just working the grill, making some burgers out of mutant heads. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, the note from Forge. Yes. Is super cool. Yeah. So there's a note from Forge that is basically what was attached to the suit for Captain Krakoa. So it's not an image inducer. It's an actual suit right. that he wears, that Cyclops wears to be Captain Krakoa. And it's basically, it's a Krakoan battle suit, as Forge calls it. And it is a beta test for Cyclops. Yes. Because Forge is like, listen, we have plenty of combat-ready mutants on Krakoa. Right. But what about the millions of mutants who aren't? Right. And I enjoy if, that um, Artie Leach happens. and Ugly John get a shout out here. But yeah, yes. Artie and Leach, the perpetual mutant child, yes. like poster boy. Yes. <laughs> and and he's just like like you know what if what if we get attacked and you're not there? Mm-hmm. Children need to be able to protect themselves, and yep. if they don't have if they don't have combat usable powers or are not combat ready, they need to have. Something and so he's building these Krakoan battle suits, which bodes. He's basically trying to make his own Power Rangers, but like, yeah, yeah. He, so he's making these battle suits. It's just like this is what they're going to have. Yeah, that will help them. And I, I, I need the data the from your usage in order to mm-hmm. to tone, hone this. He says, the more data I have, the more lives I can save when our non-combat mutants are wearing them someday. Did you know that one of us makes ice cream, Scott? It's the best damn ice cream I've ever had. She's going to need her country to be there for her someday. <laughs> yeah, and that's adorable. Like, it adds a level of consideration that I don't think Forge ever actually is shown using. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> so <laughs> it's really true. <laughs> so it was just really cool to, to have. Yeah. And then you have Negasonic 
teenage oh, warhead. Last bit on the oh, sorry, yeah, the note from Forge. He he says like I, I have to respectfully decline the chance to join your X Men team. If you need a technologist, I suggest Bling. I didn't know that Bling was a techie, but cool. I didn't either, if I'm real honest. But also, I always forget that that Kate Pride is a hacker. Yeah. So, well, you know, I just, mean, it's kind of like being the young person in an 80s story. It's like, oh, right. <laughs> like, like the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. I know I covered this on the pod and I won't stop freaking out about it. The Kitty Pride agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. where basically yeah. Dum Dum Dugan recruited her to S.H.I.E.L.D. because he didn't know how to program his VCR. That was bas- like, you are young and you know how to use a computer. Please, for the love of God. <laughs> Help me, you know, run this world security organization. <laughs> <laughs> What's hilarious from a retro, from a retcon perspective, is that Dum Dum Dugan is an LMD. So, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. he's a computer that doesn't know how to use computers. And it's just like, <laughs> come on, buddy. <laughs> how meta can you really get? Yeah, can you, can't you zero one zero zero one this shit? <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Yeah. So uh yeah, bling interesting. I I see I thought he was going to go with any of the technopaths. Right. <laughs> and just and name drop one of them, but you know, yeah. Screw me. So yep. um uh and then yeah, so Negasonic. Negasonic Teenage Warhead. So this is the Negasonic that got popularized in Deadpool. I guess because so okay. I know that this is not the resurrected Negasonic Teenage Warhead from that died in Genosha in right. Emma Frost class, because this is the Negasonic that is in the run a run of Deadpool from pre Krakoa. Yeah, this so, is this is the the Negasonic from the Deadpool movies, essentially. That yeah, yeah, they brought the, her. Yeah, they added her to yeah six one six at uh, working for um, Deadpool in his mercenary business. That's fine. She's a great character in the movies. I'm happy to have her in the comics. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't mind. It's, it's just like it, it for anyone that has been in my Sunday readings and also listens to our pod, which I don't know if there's actually any overlap, but <laughs> <laughs> Negasonic teenage warhead is here and she's a player and she has multiple girlfriends. <laughs> An army of girlfriends, not, a whole team of girlfriends. She is, <laughs> she is not the Negasonic teenage warhead that was killed in Genosha and was brought back as a psychic ghost in Astonishing X Men mm-hmm. uh, on Josh Whedon's run. Okay, okay. <laughs> so yeah, we next we get the bombshell oh, that, yeah. that it was Sync who erased Ben Urich's memory of the story. Yeah. And stole his notes, damn it. <laughs> yes. So okay. So yeah. we were <laughs> we were justified here. And then yeah, and so he so the so the truth bomb that Sync is the one that erased Ben's mind and stole his notes. And because it happened after Scott died, he he panicked. Yeah. And was like, I just got to make this judgment call. And so, and he's looking through the notes and he sees that Ben was basically going to write this article celebrating the X-Men. Yeah. Calling um, them the immortal X-Men. Hmm. Which is a title. Hey. Yay. Yeah. 
Miracle of the Mutants, the Deathless X-Men, Immortal mm-hmm. X-Men. And Sink is just like, he thought we were miracles. Like, mm-hmm. I thoroughly screwed up here. Yeah. I regret my decision. And then so he's talking to Scott about how, like, if my mind, if I'm not, if not, if I'm not distracted by all the guilt I have about Ben, it's my obsession of my love for Laura. I'm not he, in the right headspace. Well, and then he clarifies, man. my Laura. She's gone and she's never coming back. So oh, even yeah. as Laura yeah. is warming up to him, she's not the same he knows, person yeah, that he fell it's in not love the, with. It's not the woman he spent 500 years right. with. Mm-hmm. And so and he's just like, I'm not in the right headspace. I'm an old man. <laughs> I'm not mm-hmm. in the right headspace to be an X-Man. Yeah. What would you say if I wanted to take a break? And Scott's just like, well, Captain Kokoa would say that you will quit the X-Men when the X-Men are done with you. Yeah. And that's the end of the issue. And yep. you're like, <laughs> excuse you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That, that that's uh, like I get I get that Cyclops is like a man of the mission, but this that line felt without a follow-up, I, th- I that think felt out of place for Scott. I I think he feels like he has Everett's best interest in mind here. Like you know, as like kind of like the Gene and Polaris with the, I was about to know, say the exact same. Just thing. pick yeah. me, don't pick me. Like, mm-hmm. like this is going to be good for you. Yeah, at, see, and that's the kind of thing that, like, in the same issue, they explored that. Yeah, with this, they're not exploring Scott's thought process, and so it just it doesn't land well for me. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want. I want. I want more from whatever that was. Huh. I went into the wiki and it turns out they have listed uh for Rock for Bling, aka Roxy, Roxy Washington. She possesses genius intelligence that allows her to build and hack technology and she is an excellent engineer and mechanic capable of building advanced machinery and technology. One such example, the pe- the pendant she created for Shogo, which was capable of employing a protective bubble around the child when he's in danger and was based off of Armor's mutant powers. Oh, yeah. I remember Shogo's well, bubble now. I remember Shogo's bubble too. I didn't yeah. remember Bling made it. Me Fuck. neither. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. We're, we're, we are great fans of yeah, clearly. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. We have three more issues to go over. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Sabretooth two and three. Sabretooth two and three. We open with a quote from Frederick Douglass. It is easier to build strong children than repair broken men. Yeah. And from Frederick and, Douglass. And then we get a flashback to the scene when these, these five new entries, again, Necra, Madison Jeffries, Melter, Oya, and Third Eye. Third Eye. Uh, are being condemned in front of the council to be sent into the pit. They all have the numbers one, two, and three above, or, or three above their heads. I'm guessing. I think that's, that's the number law of they broke. Broke. laws. Oh, which law? I thought it was the number of laws they broke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I guess one of the laws is make more, right. make more mutants. So maybe that's kind of yeah. weird. <laughs> so, so yeah, maybe, maybe are, it is. You are sent to the pit broke. for not having sex. That would be terrible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we get sort of a our, our first view of of what each of them may have possibly done to be sent down into the pit, 
And Necker says, long ago, I nearly overthrew the United States government. They abused their power and we rose up against them. And then Xavier turns to Oya and says, basically, like, or, or it, turn, it says to Necker, like, you've not only condemned yourself, you've condemned her, meaning Oya. So mm-hmm. I guess we get the, there's an implication that Necker tried to do the same thing the again. Same. And Oya, yeah. as a black woman, joined up. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's basically how it reads. But whatever happened, Oya was working with Necra. She, right. she was wor- with Necra and she believes in what she did. Yeah. And then Jeffrey's Melter and Third Eye they all get one speech bubble and they're like, yeah. you fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't get any clues as to the three of them yet. We'll learn more about Melter at least later. Yeah. And then, so they're like, so now we, we get this like flash forward to, or yeah. ish of just now running around in the, in the hellscape. And they're like, why would, why, why did Xavier lie to us? And they're like, listen, I don't know. Xavier's not a liar. I think it's worse than that. I don't think he knows. Yeah. And they're like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> And Oya delivers the line, I always thought deep down this is where I'd end up, which is just heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that she's not just a character placement for whatever story they're telling. They're actually remembering her (laughs) her, personality. And then, so it turns out Third Eye's mutant power seems to be like astral projection, I guess. I guess, Somehow not a precog, but that's fine. Right. And so he's like, something's weird. Let's figure this out. And so he's able to activate his mutant power while in the pit. And he just says, ah, I see. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Um, And then he sees that they're all in the pit. (laughs) Yeah. So now now we have an awareness. And he'll eventually tell everybody. But in the meantime, they like, you know, they're being chased by various manifestations of... Uh, Sabretooth and <laughs> Madison Jeffries faces one down and he says basically so his powers are like okay I'm just gonna this read the whole a, thing here. I feel like this is a stretch it's a stretch power, but, but it's a cool stretch so I'm here for it but it- <laughs> he says human beings have produced more than 8 billion tons of plastic over the last 70 year- years only 10% have been recycled The rest breaks down in lakes, rivers, oceans, and eventually contaminates all our food and water. These microplastics are inside each of us, millions of them, which means with my power to transmute inorganic material, I can make it much harder. And and he just like turns all like turns all the microplastics into spikes and shoots them outside of he pull he pulls a magneto from the X-Men movie. Yeah, basically. And just explodes a bunch of plastic spikes. It's like Magneto taking control of the iron in somebody's bloodstream, except he is taking control of the microplastics that have been. That's a terrifying thought, dude. Just that's absolutely terrifying. But it's also, (laughs) and again, it's it's comics. But like, in if if Sabretooth is not aware of these microplastics, would his psychic self have these microplastics it's true also, or is mass jeffries exerting 
<laughs> the fact that there are microplastics. And so now Sabretooth believes it now they are there. So for him to, but it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. It's also just visually a large amount of material to be uh, made up of these teeny tiny microplastics, but you know, yeah, mm-hmm. it's cool. Mm-hmm. It and made so, me yeah. go WTF Madison Jeffries. So yeah. Yeah. And the way they they illustrated him with he has these like blacked out eyes, like it is the most evil, mad, lovey dovey Madison Jeffries has ever yeah. been. <laughs> mm. And then Oya hits Saratooth with ice and fire, and then Melter melts off one of his arms, and then Necker gets in and gets some good hits in. And then Third Eye shows up and he's like, guys, this is what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so he actually projects himself and he's going around and he ends up in he goes up through the pit and ends up in mole's room yeah which is interesting but it's not a big deal so anyway so (laughs) he basically he talks to mole and he's just like hey i have a problem (laughs) uh Uh, and its name is sabertooth and and mole's just like oh i know sabertooth (laughs) i got you uh, and then we get a little retcon backstory of mole and when sabertooth killed him yeah so Quick correction on their retcon here. <laughs> um, Mole basically was was out of the Morlock tunnels or whatever. Was living just you know hanging and and had become gotten a crush on Opal Tanaka, who's a longstanding character from back in the eighties and the X uh, X Factor run. And said that you know he was competing with Angel for her attention. Angel and Opal were never connected. It was uh, Iceman who she was uh, involved with. But anyway, sorry to be that guy. Okay. That's so, fine. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, Mutant Massacre happens. Sabretooth grabs him to kill him. And he, Sabretooth hesitates before actually killing him, taunts him a little bit, and he uses his powers and. I guess his powers are to be a mole. And Dig. so he digs yeah. straight down, <laughs> sealing it behind himself and finds himself into the abandoned Lower East Side Express Project Highway. Which which I've seen it uh, used in so many different unrelated really? stories That's that I amazing. feel like it's got to be true. Yeah. it's It sounds to... It sounds... Oh, it sounds totally believable to me. It sounds, but it like, I guess to me, it sounds like there's no way that's true. That there's like all these hundreds of miles of unused expressway tunnels. Underground in New York is crazy. I mean, that's how the whole story of the Morlocks started in the first place. It's just like, how crazy is all this shit that's under New York, right? Right. It makes me so curious, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) I was reading something. or Okay reading i was at the uh the new york natural history museum Mm. and in the whole exhibit about like gemstones and and minerals and stuff like that and they were saying that new york city is one of the most extensively or or like one of the best well-known or most well-known geologic areas in the world because it's the most extensively excavated for tunnels and shit (laughs) That's crazy to me. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. But yeah, like 
this whole like because there's there's like the forgotten underground city under like Venice that right. gets referenced mm-hmm. in many stories, and mm-hmm. then there's these tunnels that get referenced under New York City, mm-hmm. and they're in. It's become such a like accepted like uh, what's fairy t- not fairy tale but like lore yeah. that everyone uses it to the yeah. point where I'm just like, it's gotta be real. Like yeah. it's, it's never been, it's not a one-off story plot. <laughs> <laughs> so many TV shows, movies, books, comics, Marvel, DC, like everyone uses these unused tunnels under New York city. I feel yeah. like it's gotta be a thing. So yeah. Anyway, it says after the mutant massacre, I had to, you know, Decided I'd better run away, but I'm a New York guy, so running away meant just meant moving to the Bronx. <laughs> awesome. And so he mole, you know, basically has gotten the word about you know Sabretooth and and the pit and everything that's going on. He tries to spread the word to the big dogs, you know, Apocalypse, Wolverine, Storm, Angel. They're all too busy. Uh and he ends up in the next issue, we'll find out having much better luck with the other sort of ignored and downtrodden and obscure mutants, which I'm stoked for. What a cool, right? He's basically <laughs> he's basically going around being a another Exodus, yeah, telling the story of yeah. the legend of somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and then we get uh, we find out what Melters crime was poor guy and so yeah. so melter melter's powers he doesn't have a whole lot of control over yeah. but his powers to basically shoot shoot a melting beam yeah. <laughs> and so he was in the back of Krakoa just tar- like doing target practice on some boulders and that broke the respect this land law and that's why he got in trouble well like, what well, yeah, but that's in the next issue, so I didn't yeah. talk about the the, ex, the immediate <laughs> uh, conversation he has right after. But like that's but like for a month in regular reading time, that is the frame of reference that we were given of just like he was doing target practice, trying to get better using his power, and that sent him down because yeah. he did not respect this land. <laughs> and then there's a great exchange between Sabretooth and Necra where. Sabretooth's like, what about you, champ? Was your case just a mistake, too? And she says, no, I meant to murder those men. Sabretooth says, I'm starting like, to like oh, you. And she says, you actually think that's a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and then, yeah, so the issue ends of just with just like them now, instead of this hellscape, Sabretooth has created a, a prison and they're all in the same cell together. Yeah. So it turns out this is a prison abolition story, right? This is this is a we're <laughs> we're using, you know, just like we had like great politics around, you know, reproduction and sex in Way of X. Now we've got an exploration of, of prison politics and the role of yeah. a prison in society and what it means to be working towards rehabilitation by sending people away to rot in a hole. Yeah, so there was, I guess the there's a couple of like log entries, but like the first one was in issue one of just like what is a prison, right? And you know why do we care? What's its purpose? 
And like, if you go to different civilizations, um, it served very different purposes. And what is Krakoa's prison supposed to be? And so, yeah, so this, this issue ends with just like, okay, I understand what's going on now. We need to get out of here because this is ridiculous. Yes. So now we have a team up between these six mutants who have yes. been sent to the pit of, okay, let's get out of the pit. <laughs> uh, Sabretooth knows that he's been able to reach out into the world. And so he's like, we should probably use that. Yeah. So then you go into issue three. Yeah. And so issue three is kind of split between a few storylines one is a more detailed history of melter you know so he's he's had a rough life he accidentally killed a bunch of people because he doesn't know how to control his powers he kind of got parents yeah including his parents he got caught up in you know being recruited as a villain and then when he was invited to make a clean slate in krakoa he uh you know was fucking up basically he he Killed a bunch of people when he was trying to practice his powers. Xavier was like, it's fine. Do better. Krakoa drained your life force. Oh, oh no. Sorry. He doesn't kill the yeah. Yeah. anybody. <laughs> Krakoa drains him, his life force and a bunch of other people to, uh, to stop the damage to, to Krakoa. To basically. repair the damage that Melter was doing. Yep. So yeah. So it just immediately backlashed and like killed like, just on this picture, yeah. uh, there's 10 shadows, 11 shadows of yeah. bodies that Krakoa drained in order to heal the, the boulder that, yeah. that he melted and then also knocked out Melter to stop him from <laughs> continuing the damage. Yeah. Uh, and so then Xavier comes over. He's just like, hey, yeah, so uh, you're not respecting the land. You got to go in the pit. And you're like, oh, well, that's not quite that. It's also... <laughs> And, you know, you're not respecting the land. Stop that. But you were looking for the meeting place of the quiet council mm. and you mm. were trying to listen in. Don't do that. And he's like, yeah, he, I like just, call, yeah, he called him out on that. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, I just want to be I, I just want to do something for this country. Like, I'm, I'm happy yeah, I'm to be here. I want I want to have a purpose. Like, can you please just give me something to do? <laughs> And that's left unresolved. Right. And and it's and Xavier's like, this was the warning. Don't look for the quiet council again. And he's like, Yeah, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then they and then yeah, they sent him down. From visually, they stage an Alcatraz breakout out of their mental prison. And on the boat that they made out of the the mangled fused bodies of the quiet council (laughs) Uh, (laughs) they plot and they're just like yeah so i know how to send your psych how to send your like consciousness out onto kirkoa you guys need to get out there and go and and recruit some people uh, specifically people who i worked with in the past yeah the the original marauders scrambler prism etc we later learned that was a ruse. He knew that they would never actually recruit the Marauders for him. The, they he just wanted to give them an opportunity to feel like they were defying him. <laughs> Brilliant! Like this is what we were talking about with Dude, Creed being like, up "You like- are actually <laughs> like you know what you're doing. You aren't 
out of control of yourself, you just are perfectly well suited to do terrible things. That is like the entire fan theory of what the machines are doing in the matrix. <laughs> like that entire, like the entire matrix quadrilogy and the fan theories behind it of the machines, just letting the humans believe that they did this revolution and rebellion. Uh-huh. It's literally what Sabretooth is doing for the, <laughs> for these other mutants. <laughs> it's mind blowing. So Necker and Oya go, and they're supposed to go find Scrambler, but instead they go meet up with Bling, who a lot of they Bling apparently have, right? <laughs> uh, who apparently have had the, a handful of conversations already. Well, Bling is also a black woman, so maybe she, it, it seems like maybe Bling she is, was yeah. part of the army and just of didn't Necra's go thing. deep enough to to be, you know, exiled. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So they're just like, hey, help. <laughs> yeah. And then Third Eye goes and meets with Mole again. Yeah. He was told to go find Vertigo, but he meets with Mole. And Mole basically lets him know that a lot of time has passed. Yes. <laughs> uh, and he's like, oh, God. <laughs> and then Madison Jeffries was told to go find Prism, but instead he comes up to Skin. Yeah. And they just kind of chill. They don't yeah. really make any plans or or like talk about what's going on. Really, he met. They all manifest themselves as a different material. You know, <laughs> Necra is stone. Oya is ash. Third Eye is plant matter slash wood and roots and stuff. And Madison Jeffries is a cloud of microplastics. And he's like. I kind of really enjoy Hmm. being a cloud of microplastics. This is sweet. Right. And I'm just like, oh no. Like, (laughs) yeah. Where are they going to explore Madison Jeffries with this? Cause that's, that's twice in three issues. Well, really twice in as many issues that he has talked about microplastics and his ability to manipulate them. Right. (laughs) But he's just like, yeah, this feels really good being a cloud of, of microplastics. But yeah, he just sits down with skin and just kind of chats. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, I was supposed to, you know, like be on some secret mission, but that's not me. (laughs) Yeah. That's not me. He has a little smirk to himself. You're like, okay, buddy. Yeah. And then it's like, well, what's Melter doing? And Melter has a full flesh body. Yeah. And he shows up in the, in the councils of the quiet chamber of the quiet council. And he's like, I made it. And Xavier's like, you did. <laughs> this is what you've always wanted, isn't it? And Melter's like, hey, how are my parents? And Professor's like, oh, your parents are so proud of you for, for finding Krakoa. And Melter's like, well, my parents have been dead for 20 years or something. Yeah. So uh, you're not the professor. <laughs> yeah. And end up, ends up being saved to things like, listen. <laughs> he says, I know. You're the one I don't trust. Why is that? He's like, oh, that's cool. I never stopped. I never stopped believing in Krakoa. And you're like, ah! And I never stopped (laughs) believing in the professor. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, oh, Melter, like, you're such a little good boy. Right? (laughs) I'm stoked. This is making me stoked for for more Melter. Yeah, absolutely. And then you get these, you get the other bodies of of the Creed Council being like what's going on here and uh, rah, 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 captain, rah, 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 rah. and captain just being like this is this is i just gave them a chance to feel important that's yeah. all that's not part of the real scheme 
And then you get this like montage of skin talking to blob, bling talking to um, other uh, shark girl and marrow and marrow and marrow of all people. And then um, mole with his entire congregation that he's been (laughs) gathering over the years, I guess maybe. So they're all telling the other ignored downtrodden obscure mutants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you get this uh you get this like thought process log from the captain about how the CCF Congress of Cultural Freedoms, which was a CCF, which is also known as the CIA, used jazz mus- musicians to spread the good word of America and how they use that to like as like soft brainwashing basically. Yes. And, and how he's and, as soft power propaganda and 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 that they didn't even know that they were, you know, working for the CIA. Louis Armstrong, you know, was funded. Gabriel Garcia Marquez, Ernest Hemingway, James Baldwin, Jackson Pollock, like a bunch of artists who many of them definitely would not agree on its on their face to working for the CIA, taking taking a grant money from and and not for any particular reason of propaganda, but just to say to the world, America created America this has. this great art. It isn't this like indicative awesome? of of <laughs> the, yeah the the you know the the power the righteousness the the cultural superiority uh, of the con- of this country. It's crazy, and but it's, so it's is that documented true? fact. Yeah. It is. Oh yeah. my gosh! It's so cool. Okay, not not like the actual fact <laughs> that it happened, but the fact that it's being used here. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get third eye astral projecting again instead of using the actual instead of using the Krakoa projection and seeing the bodies and he sees that Necro and Oya are holding hands. He's like, huh, interesting. It's like the subconscious is like reaching out to those that yeah. they feel comfortable around, blah, blah, blah. And, and that we have sees, some we have some control over our physical bodies oh, even uh-huh. down here. And then he sees Melter reaching out to Sabretooth and he's like, oh man, Melter really drank the Kool-Aid, didn't he? And then, <laughs> and then Melter gets a little bit closer, a little bit closer, and he reaches... Sarah physical body and he just ignites him just <laughs> full on melts skeletonizes his, his entire body. body yeah to the point where only his like chest and head is left and that's where they end the issue i'm stoked for for this series i don't know how long it is i don't know how many issues it i saw okay do you, i have a i have a minor spoiler just from being in a comic shop this weekend playing Magic the Gathering pre-release. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just a, a name of a title. Oh, okay. Do you, do you want to hear it? Sure, I've probably seen it. It's Sabretooth and the Exiles. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> the only reason why I saw that because I think one of those issues is in the Sins of Sinister book. Okay. Because I pulled up Sins of Sinister because it's like seventy six dollars. Oh my god! And I was like, how many fucking issues in it? And it like lists out what's in there. And one of there's like at least one issue of Sabretooth and the Exiles. And I was like, interesting oh, shit. Okay. okay. I mean, Sabretooth and Sinister certainly have a history. That's he's who you know organized a bankroll the Moon Massacre. Mm-hmm. Shit. And then so last little bit is 
So yeah, Sabretooth is going to be awesome. I think this run of Sabretooth is only five issues. Okay. But the trade has been out for a while. And I was, I didn't know because it didn't have X in the title. I didn't know if it was like, uh, if it was like a special event thing or if it was <laughs> an individual title thing. But now I know it's an individual title. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, so Marauders annual number one, which acts as a bridge between uh, Marauders 2019 and Marauders 2022. Exactly. This is just, we've got not only the, the, the team, the, basically the, the, the cast of characters that will be in the next volume of Marauders is assembled here, but also this is our first look at the, the, uh, at least the writer. I don't know if it's the same artist. I hope not. I, I was not thrilled with the art in this issue. I wasn't thrilled with much in this issue. Actually. I, I, I really didn't like this. It, it, yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess the, um, it's the eyes for this artist. Yeah, the eyes are awful. Every everyone looks just like excited or surprised. Real googly even eyes. when you have even when you have a Quanon who's crying. Yeah, she looks almost excited when she turns around with tears streaming out of her eyes. But yeah, you know, okay, whatever. The art might have killed my enjoyment of the story, and also like <sighs> annuals are so often in such a weird place. You know, it's like kind of doesn't count but kind of does mm-hmm. there. They have to tell like a, a kind of a one-off story. So do you, are you familiar with Somnus? No, he, I looked him up. He is basically a new character. He, he was mm-hmm. interested. He was introduced in Marvel's voices of pride special oh. um, alongside Karma's new partner. Mm-hmm. The, the girl with the bird wings. Yeah. But yeah, so he has history with Dokken. Yeah, so that was a cool little note. Mm-hmm. Essentially, Somnus, his power is to kind of create a, uh, or was this in the note or is this something that I read on the wiki? Somnus's power is to create like a dreamscape, essentially. Somnus was an older man and met, you know, a young Dokken before his death and resurrection and everything. And Somnus mm. and and they he basically like used his power. They lived a whole life together. Like fell in love in and and had, you know, like a lengthy relationship together in Somnus's dream world. And then mm. Som and then Somnus died because he was old. And and now he's been resurrected on Krakoa. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that was, it's funny because like Dokken was introduced after I started reading all these comics. Uh-huh. I I feel like I read all of the issues that he's in. This, this was specifically this the Voices of Pride special. Oh, still all also happened. just, yeah, all, that all happened all in, voices, in that one, <laughs> okay. one side cool. story. So I'm not, one. I'm not terrible at this. No, right. no, no. <laughs> So basically, so the Marauders are looking for a new purpose, I guess. Yeah. But so the antagonists for this issue are a a group of humans primarily that were or that were mutant sympathizers that disagree with Krakoa because humans aren't allowed on Krakoa and they feel like forgotten or disregarded as allies of the mutants. Right. 
but Just they're being interesting. Manip- but they're being manipulated by this guy who looks like a demon. Yeah. But so like I guess conceptually that's I I, I guess that's that's a group that is an aspect of a realistic aspect of this world that could be addressed at some point, but mm-hmm. as, it's not compelling. <laughs> yeah. For me. And I mean, I just think it's not done well here. Like I agree that this yeah. would make for a cool plot at some point, like because human mutant relations are, are, are much more interesting when they're more complicated than, Oh yeah. They, they, they all hate us and they're trying to kill all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have things like Mutant Town and mm-hmm. different areas in in San Francisco that are openly supportive of mutants and humans coexisting. Like totally, yep. they're they're not not all humans, <laughs> <laughs> and so like it it makes sense that at some point they could go down this route of right. the the disrespected or the shunned humans who thought they were friends. Right. But I guess to take it to the point where they feel violently upset is a whole other level. Is where this guy comes in and manipulates all of their minds. Yeah. I don't even remember his name. It was really weird. Yeah. Brimstone love. Brimstone love. And that was the thing. It's like, it didn't, Seem like his mutant power had anything to do with manipulation. No, it was just he was just like a relatable guy that decided to <laughs> right? take charge. Oh, was yeah, I don't know. The hero survives. How's this freaking blood brimstone sinks the village that they're all in into the earth? Yeah, and that's how it ends. Yep. The end. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I guess the 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 only real stinger, or you know, the more interesting thing is, mm. is the the end. The end sort yeah. of post credit sequence here, where you know they all toast to you know you've got this new team together. By the way, the team is Quanin, Bishop, Daken, Kate Pride, Aurora, Tempo, and Somnus. Interesting team. Interesting team. And like, I felt the same way about X Factor. Yeah. When they were first like listed in like the first issue. Yeah. But like, I bet there's going to be some really cool team synergy here. Definitely. I hope that there better be some cool team synergy. I'm stoked to see more tempo. Her powers are really interesting. Characters with powers like that are rarely used because they're so easy to exploit. (laughs) Like, right you really have to write circles around those powers in order to have them be at all believable. I've never liked her mutant suit. Yeah. The suit's a little weird. Suits a little She's weird. got kind of a Mohawk thing going on now. She's always I've always seen it this. as a gear. Yeah. I can see that. Somnus, new character, love more Daken and Aurora. Mm-hmm. Love more Quanin. Sure. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. Hmm. I mean, for me, as long as as long as Kate still has yes. a title to be involved in, that's all totally. I care about. <laughs> but yeah, so this thing is she has seems to be a lockbox with Kirkcoan writing on it, that spelling says out her Pride. name. Yeah, 
spelling out yeah, pride. Pride with a Y. Yeah. So it's clear that it's not just meat and pride. It's right. it's actually Kate Pride. And it's and myste- it seems to it's made out of mysterium. Yeah, it's made out made of mysterium. Out of mysterium. Which they just discovered, but mm-hmm. it's two billion years old. And like, okay, mysterium <laughs> isn't new. Doctor Doom had the whole thing, but like it's got her name on it and it's two billion years old. It's, it's two billion years old from the inside. It's locked from the inside. It, it's written in Krakoan. Right. And it's locked from the inside, so only she can open it. Yeah. And for whatever reason, this two billion, two billion year old box has paper that is not rotted away. <laughs> and it has a map of Krakoa and writing on it that says the first blood spilled. So I guess now we have our Marauders plot. (laughs) We have our Marauders plot. Oh, in Kate's handwriting. Right. Okay. Okay. Sure. Sure. I don't, it's it's not something to really grasp onto until we actually see it now play out, but please don't be bad. (laughs) I know. Please don't be bad. I know this, this Marauders has been so good so far. Mm -hmm. Jerry Duggan's run on it has been fantastic. And and his run on X Men's been kind of whatever. <laughs> it's been okay. He's yeah. Well, yeah. He's just been having a lot of fun highlighting how powerful the X Men are. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> you know. Fair. Yeah. Sure. Well, that puts us to the end of <laughs> Trials of X. We have finished Trials of X. X Devs Next Lives of Wolverine is next. Yep. For next week. Yep. I've fallen in and out of love with Logan so many times. <laughs> Would you say t- 10, 10, 10 times? No. Okay. How dare you? <laughs> but but that said, like I'm just I'm very curious if this is gonna be a good or a bad story. Right. So I'm I'm I I really it's I I want to read it. Badly, so I'm I'm stoked that we're here. I'm stoked that I'm stoked we're here to be here. <sighs> and then we and then we're done with the uh, with the Krakoa Death March, and you can get back to your for, regular for a couple weeks as scheduled for a couple weeks until until because like we said, if we if we wanted to be real accurate, right? AXE doesn't happen until after was it? Wait, no, not Way of X. What's the next X? Destiny. Destiny of X six. Yeah. So there's an R there about that we'd have yeah. to have we'd have to have <laughs> three more episodes of this before. But then you can't read anything. I know. So I've been really lucky. These last two weeks have not had any new books come out. Oh wow, okay. But I'm still 19 books behind. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. I it's you're in a tough spot. I, I do have I have one week <laughs> before AXE comes up in the pile. Oh, God, so okay. Uh, let me sit on it and we'll see where, we're, okay. see where it goes. You, you tell me because I'm going to be reading it with you. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. That's exciting. Okay. Yeah. Oh, man, we may have to make that a June project, I guess. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Okay. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Anyway. With that, then I guess we should just put the outro music like here okay. and call it a day. Yeah. Call it a day. As always, it's a pleasure talking to you. All right. All right. 
Until next time. Until next time, too, please.